Hi, this is The Greatest Story I Ever Played. My name's Dan. Today we're going to be talking about Spiritfarer. A quick description for this game is Spiritfarer is a cozy management game about dying. You play Stella, who's a fairy master to the deceased, also known as a Spiritfarer. Build a boat to explore the world, then befriend and care for spirits before finally releasing them into the afterlife. Farm, mine, fish, harvest, cook, and craft your way across mystical seas. Join the adventurer as Daffodil, the cat, in a two-player co-op uh, co option. Uh, spend relaxing quality time with your spirit passengers, creating lasting memories, and ultimately how to say goodbye to your cherished friends. Alright, and a quick production note for the game is this was developed by Thunder Lotus Games. Uh, two other games they've done are Jotun and uh, Sundered. I've never played, played either of those. I think Spiritfarer was really their first hit that really put them on the map. So, um, yeah, this is their biggest game for sure. Before we dive into any spoilers or get too deep, I wanted to do a quick non-spoiler section. I guess first up is, for me, I went into this game basically expecting emotional Animal Crossing. Um, you know, Animal Crossing, kind of light sim game that I've enjoyed. Emotional games, of course, you know I like those. Uh, you know, all the indie games that make me sad and cry is kind of the stuff I like playing. So <laughs> I figured if I smashed that together with Animal Crossing, this would be a game I would be into. Um, and I think it kind of lands that thought I had going in. But it's certainly more complex than that as well. For instance, with Animal Crossing, the like chores you do in your like management sim type stuff are pretty like small. There aren't too many. There's not a lot of variation within this. Spirit Spiritfarer actually gets pretty complex in this of how you do it and uh, the quantity of resources is much larger. So if in Animal Crossing, for instance, there's I think four fruits that you use in Spiritfarer instead there's probably like 30 or 50 different like food options and the way you can combine them can make a different meal so it, you know much much more complex I would say um with that I didn't feel like Spiritfarer was that intuitive starting out for me it took me a little while to figure out what to do I, I think I probably spent legitimately like four hours wandering around trying to understand what I was supposed to do. Not all of that is Spiritfarer's fault. Some of that is certainly mine. I'm guessing there were things where I got clues as to what to do and I uh, just didn't understand. So um, I, I think starting out I was less certain versus you know when you pick up Animal Crossing you know what to do right away. You start doing it. Um, your management sim is going well pretty quick. Versus in Spiritfarer, you can get lost along the way, and I certainly did. A last kind of non-spoiler thought, I'd say, is the music in this game is very, very good. Uh, I think especially when you go to the Everdoor, I really love that. That that soundtrack, that song, so, so good. Um, truly one of the best things in this game uh, is the soundtrack at large, but especially that song. Very good. Um... Yeah, I, I, I guess that uh, 
I think back to my point, my first point, I guess I should have expounded further. I do think that this game is emotional. Certainly it does. It does have those. Um, but I think my emotional Animal Crossing as my like thought going in was not the right vibe. I think it's, uh, yeah, more complex for sure. Uh, I would say the management sim is much greater in that. Um, but I think that me having that outlook kind of hurt some of my experience with the game. Uh, we'll go in a lot deeper about the different things uh, about it. I think for me, um, I don't know if that made my expectations super high or something like that. Um, I think all in all, I was I ended up at a spot where I'm like, there are things I really like about Spirit Fair, and there are other things I didn't as much, and I'm not sure if those come from my like preconceived notions, uh, or the style of game I enjoy. I'm I'm not exactly sure. I don't know how to categorize that. I'm more inclined to put any issue I have on this game related to me more than the game itself because I think that uh the game itself I the parts I enjoyed I really really enjoyed and the parts I didn't might be more of a me thing so I don't know um if you really like complex management I think that this would be for you though with that in mind um but if you want something that's more low-key like Animal Crossing this might have um enough com complexity or variations that that could be unenjoyable for you so I don't know um, those are my non-spoiler thoughts, I guess. Um, we'll get deeper into other thoughts I have, but, uh, yeah. All right. Before we, I, this would move us into a spoiler section. Before we do our recap, um, I do want to talk about the characters, as the characters are a big part of this game. Uh, so first up, you've got Stella. She's, uh, the new Spiritfarer. And your playable character. Uh, you've got Gwen. She's a family friend of Stella. And when you pick her up on the boat, she is a deer. Something uh, about the spirits is before you like pick them up on your boat, they all kind of look like, um, like people from Journey. Kind of like a carpet uh, looking person. Um, or like a Jawa. Something like that from Star Wars. Um, <laughs> that's sort of what people look like before they get on your boat. And when they get on your boat, they take the likeness of an animal. Except for Stella, she is a person and looks like a person the whole time. Uh, then you've got uh, a tool. That's Stella's uncle. He appears as a frog. You have Summer. She was a significant other to Stella's aunt, um, Rose, who appears as a snake. You've got Alice, who is a dementia patient, who appears as a hedgehog. You've got Astrid, who uh, acted as grandparents to Stella. Um, she helped Jews during World War II. She appears as a lynx. Uh, Giovanni is married to Astrid. Uh, he fought in World War II. He appears as a lion. Uh, Gustav is an art curator. He appears as an owl. Bruce and Mickey, uh, this is a coma patient and his brother, uh, a hummingbird and a bull. You've got Beverly, who was an old neighbor of Stella's, who appears as a tiny owl. You've got Stanley, who is a sick eight-year-old. He appears as a mushroom. And then um, there are other characters, Buck, Elena, Jackie, Daria, and Lily, who I didn't get onto the boat. 
I think some of them are DLC characters, and so I, I just didn't get them. Uh, or finish the game before I could have got them. But I took, um, I think, eight or ten people to the Everdoor. So that was when I, like, called it called it quits. I asked people on Twitter who their favorite uh, characters were in this game. For me, Atul is my favorite. He is just so positive and helpful and kind to Stella and easy to please. Uh, so I really enjoyed him as a passenger. He was my favorite by far. I also uh, really liked Stanley as well and the interactions you get with him as uh, he, he's a child. So he has a lot of that childlike wonder and excitement and getting to experience that from him was really enjoyable. People wrote in though and uh, said, Teddy on Twitter said a tool. He's just a lovable frog who loves everyone. Definitely. Uh, I think that is exactly who a tool is. Uh, super nice. Johnny on Twitter said, I might throw Giovanni some love here for his special event. The meteor catching felt so appropriate for him, and Daria, Daria was lovely. Yeah, the special event uh, for Giovanni is really good. The uh, meteor catching, really cool. Uh, really enjoyable the way the uh, scene I guess transforms the lighting everything when this event goes on is really cool the music comes in super great uh, combustible toast on Twitter said Stanley was their favorite yeah love Stanley great kid uh, spirit fair 1983 on Twitter said I liked Gwen she was acidic but had soul and you could see her vulnerability and of course uncle atul was a joy yeah no that's great uh and then last up ross on twitter said stella not just because she shares the name shares a name with my daughter yeah stella's great uh character and i imagine a great daughter as well uh good name good name choice all right um so those are our characters and a little bit of thoughts on them uh from here We'll move into the recap. Now, it's a management game sim, like we talked about. So we're not going to go in and talk uh, kind of situation by situation. I think that, um, I think it could get pretty confusing and also probably be a little dry. So uh, to talk about this, I, I'm just going to give sort of the generalities of how this game works here. So, um, the game begins, really, and you become the spirit fair. There is an existing one, and uh, basically right when the game starts, they say, Alright, this is your job now. Take me to the Everdoor. You do. Boom. Stella is spirit fair. So, the game kicks off with that. As the spirit fair, your uh, task is to guide people to the Everdoor. And to be able to do this, you need to help them basically tie up loose ends, uh, that they have on earth um to be able to do quests and stuff like that for them so that they can go to the afterlife and so what this really amounts to is you do a bunch of various fetch, fetch quests for your characters i'd say each character maybe has five or seven something like that fetch quests they want you to do some slightly more maybe some a little bit less, um, but you do these quests for them, and once you do enough of them, or not enough of them, once you complete all the tasks they want done, then they say, I'm ready to go to the Everdoor, and you take them there. 
Now, what these quests look like, um, they can be things like, I want to go to my childhood home uh, one last time before I go to the Everdor. So you go and take them there, and they'll tell you some stuff about their childhood. Or they might say, I want to eat my favorite meal before I go to the Everdor. And so you go and you gather the resources to be able to make their favorite meal, and you eat that with them, and they're like, oh, this reminded me of this thing, and they tell you a story. Or uh, perhaps they want to talk with someone. You go take them to do that. Um, whatever it may be. Um, also, a thing that happens, each spirit that joins you on your boat, they end up giving you instructions for the house they want built on your boat. So at first, when they get on the boat, they can stay in your guest house. But then once they've been there a little while, they want a house built for them. And they'll give you... Uh, a blueprint essentially for this is the house I want um, and you'll have certain resources you'll use to build that and once you build their house then that moves their story along and all of that basically as you do all these various fetch quests for your different spirits um, you do the quest you get more resources they'll give you resources for doing the quest um, ultimately when they die or not die, once you take them to the Everdor, they leave behind a spirit flower that kind of signifies they've moved on to the afterlife. You see them go into the sky, uh, and, like kind of float, and then turn into um, kind of nothing, and then you see kind of a shape representing them in the sky as stars. So, and then you get a spirit flower. But um, basically, as you go, you get more resources. These resources allow you to do more things. Perhaps you build more things on your boat, um, maybe you upgrade your boat, making it bigger or faster. Um, you can upgrade your tools um, and do that. Also, within this, the way the map in Spirit Fair is set up is first you start out in kind of one sea area, but there's other sea areas you can't get to until you upgrade your boat. So there's like one area that has uh, an ice wall that's blocking you from going through there. So once your boat is upgraded and it's big enough to crash through ice, you can then go into this new uh, area of sea. Or there's smoke or, or fog, and you can't get through it unless your boat's a certain way. Or there's rocks. Um, again, if your boat's not a certain way, you won't be big enough or fast enough to be able to crash through those. But once you upgrade your boat enough to do that, you can go into these new areas, um, basically expanding your world. And in each world, as you expand it, there are new characters to meet, but there are also new resources to get. So, for instance, you might start out in the first area and be able to get, like, cedar and oak wood. Um, but not until the second sea area, you could get pine. Um, so, you know, things like that. Or there might be bronze in one area, but gold in another. Whatever. Uh, basically, you have this uh, wide array of resources and as you expand the Spiritfarer's world, you meet new characters, you find new resources. You can then use those resources to upgrade your boat, uh, complete tasks for people. So, for instance, not every house, for instance, would be like you use oak on it. Maybe another house needs pine or cedar or whatever. And so you have to, you can't just go all in on like one resource. Instead, You've got to kind of get all the resources to be able to do all the things um, and complete all of the fetch quests you need to and explore all of the areas. Um, 
as this goes, right, your boat has things change to it. It gets bigger. It gets faster. Um, as it gets bigger, you can stack more things on your boat. So after a while, you know, you've got, uh, you know, a mill and like six spirit fair, uh, six people spirits houses, um, and uh, a, a sheep pen and an orchard and um, <laughs> places to work metal, you know, like all, all sorts of stuff, uh, basically. So what this kind of results in is you being able to do all of this stuff, a kitchen, and there's just so much in there. And so you have a huge array of options of what you can do and how you can upgrade. Characters will um, will uh, yeah have different requests for you. They'll come and talk to you while you're on the boat. You'll do missions for them as you do your fetch quest. You talk to them and they give you more details. When you stop at islands, you can talk to uh, the Jawa-like souls kind of around. They'll give you some info about what's going on where they are. Um, and you're, you know, taking your boat all across the map. In the beginning, your boat's pretty slow. As the game goes on, your boat does get quicker. And so navigating from, like, one side of the world to the other is less painful. I would say travel is not great sometimes. It can go kind of slow. Also, for a while, you can't travel at night. So... Basically, once it becomes night, you just have to go to bed because it, the travel stops. So, those are some various... So, these various tasks you go and complete. And as you do these tasks, that, um, yeah, just gives you basically more you can do. Um, your world gets bigger, all of that. So, also within here... Uh, the different spirits will ask for meals. Um, and at first I thought this concept was like kind of cool. I was like, oh, I'm into this. Uh, but I soured on it pretty quickly. And I soured on it quickly because characters would get mad if you gave them the same thing twice for the most part. Atul didn't care. He would eat whatever you gave him and I was always grateful. But other characters, you like give them an apple yesterday and they ask for something again and you try to give them an apple. They're like, well, I had an apple yesterday. And for me, I was just like, fuck off. You're a spirit. You're already dead. Like, I don't care what you eat. Um, and so at that point, I just stopped feeding any of the characters um, because I was annoyed by them. And I think that that started a bad vibe I had between me and a lot of the characters. Not that I was like, you suck and I don't want to hear any of your stories ever, but it made me feel like I had an antagonistic relationship with the characters I was supposed to be engaging in and then being excited to kind of do their spirit, uh, do their like final quest so they could go to the Everdor. So that wasn't great. That wasn't good for me. And I think really colored a bit of my experience going through this. Um, partway through the game, you get a conflict introduced, which is interesting. This evil spirit who uh, is called Hades uh, says that you became the spirit fair for selfish reasons and basically like calls you out like, oh, you're not doing this. You're not being the spirit fair and helping people here uh, for good reasons. Instead, you are being selfish. Uh, 
So that's kind of a oof. Um, throughout the game, there are uh, big moments with each character. Um, you know, maybe their final quest is pretty notable, things like that. Um, maybe the conversation you have with them on the way to the Everdor, I think that's the part where they get most real. Uh, because they tell you before they want to go to the Everdor, they're like, all right, I think I'm ready. And then you row them out. You get out of your like big ship and you get in a rowboat and you take them, just you and them, to the Everdor. And they kind of give their final reflections. And some of these are really great. Um, two really big highlights for me, moments that really worked for me, was uh, a tool for me as I was playing. Since he was my favorite, I was like, he's going to be the person I take last to the Everdor. Even if he tells me I'm ready like three hours before the game ends, I'm going to take everyone else before I take a tool because I want him around because I really like him. Um, and he, his final like request is for a big dinner with everyone on the boat and you make each of them their favorite food. And so I do this, I do this quest, we have the dinner. Um, it's great. The tool says, okay, um, you know, come get me tomorrow and I'll be ready to go to the Everdoor. And the next morning you get up and a tool's just gone. So you don't even get to go to the Everdoor. You don't even get to say goodbye. And I was pretty distraught after that. I really liked him. He was my favorite. And to uh, have him just be gone one day was really powerful and effective. Each of the other characters, you actually get to take them to the Everdoor. Uh, so I'd taken many before this. And so I just assumed the same thing would happen with a tool, but it did not. Um, and then the other one that was pretty impactful for me was when you take Stanley to the Everdoor. And as you talk with him, you just find out more and more that, like, he's, because he's an eight-year-old, he just has this outlook of a child and he doesn't understand a lot. But also, he's just, like, a sick kid who, I don't know, is trying to be quote-unquote good or, like, you know, I want to be brave for my parents, like that kind of stuff. Um, and there's a comment he makes when he says he's ready to go to the Everdoor. He says, it's okay to lose. And for whatever reason, this was just pretty impactful to me. I was like, this is so sad that you're like, I don't have to keep fighting because, you know, it's hard for me. It's hard for my family, you know, whatever. It's it, it's okay to be done. And it's just like, oh, ouch. Um... So uh, yeah, those were pretty those were pretty heavy moments. I think the other characters had other ones uh, too, but I think these are the two that landed most with me. I think because they were the two characters, um, I had my own like personal heart opened up to the most, and uh, didn't feel as antagonistic towards them as I did with the other ones after like them saying oh, I don't want an apple again or like things like that. Um, neither of those two ever felt annoying to me. And so that, um, their moments were most impactful for me. The other ones I do remember there were multiple who had impactful moments for me. I didn't write them down and, you know, it was one of those things where it was like their final quest and taking them to the Everdoor, I was like, oh, that was really great. Um, but I didn't have as much love for them before that kind of thing. So that, that's a Dan experience. I think even as mentioned in the comments before for other people, 
they had uh, great, you know, them being their favorite, other people being their favorite characters or standing out to them. So um, I think some of it's probably how you perceived and felt about things going in. So um, from here, towards the end of the game, you've got kind of a full reveal of what's going on. And what you find out is that Stella was a hospice care nurse and that all of these characters, these spirits you take to the Everdor were actually significant patients and people to her, people who she saw die, um, or, you know, her first patient that died under her care, or a patient she knew who died under her care, or a relative, or, you know, these people. Um, and we find out that Stella kept working uh, when she got sick. Stella gets cancer while working on the hospice ward, but she just keeps working and keeps helping people. Um, until she ultimately becomes a patient there herself. Um, and it the game kind of culminates with Hades kind of bringing this to you, showing you this is what you did. Now you're a patient. Your mom and your sister are here with you in the hospital and helps you kind of come to terms with what's going on. And so the game ends with Stella taking herself to the Everdor. And so Sela rows herself out there um, and gets to the Everdor Bridge. She floats up, just like all the other people you helped take there. And then you see, you know, the music kicks in and you see her in the stars. And that's how Spirit Fair goes. So, moving on to some general thoughts about this game. Um, as you could probably tell from my recap, there are some things I really loved about this game, and there are other things I really did not like. <laughs> so, things I loved. This full reveal, Stella's story, everything that's going on. Excellent stuff. I loved that so much. Um, I loved the Everdoor, uh, how it looks, the sound, the music, all, all of that stuff. Fantastic. Your moments with the tool, your moments with Stanley, especially. Um, there's some stuff in here that's really great. And for me, um, before I got to the Stella reveal, you know, there were parts where I was not loving this. Um, but once that happened, I was like, this game was totally worth it. Um, like, the Stella stuff for me was so good and meaningful and impactful and all of that, that even the parts that I didn't like, in the game that really overshadowed it in my mind and made this game um much more enjoyable for me the things i didn't like um there's too much management stuff too many options too complex like i mentioned before i didn't like that that really took me out of it um talking about like the giving meals to people and them being annoyed by it like them not liking it and me being annoyed that led to, I, I think, some of this experience not being what it could have been. Um, a thing I ended up doing as time went on is I just would skip through dialogue near the end of the game when there were characters that I didn't really care about, but I had to do their fetch quest to be able to take them to the Everdor, and they'd tell me something, and I would just click through the dialogue. I was like, I don't even care now. Um, and that sucks. I don't, I don't ever do that. I don't want to do that. I feel bad about it, even. Um, because there are stories that probably could have been impactful there, but definitely for the last several characters I took to the Everdor, 
I was like, I just want to blaze through this to get to the spot where I'll be done um, near the end. I still probably played like 30 hours of this game. Like I played quite a bit of it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being my Nintendo Switch game with the most hours at the end of the year. Like, um, just because of how much I played it. Um, but the, the things that hampered it, I think really did for me. And I think that again, like I said at the beginning, all of these aren't necessarily game flaws. I think the food thing, I would have changed that. Uh, just cause to so early have an antagonistic feeling towards a character for me, not good. So... It, that resulted in me just not feeding any of the characters anymore except Atul and Stanley. I was like, fuck you guys. If you're going to complain, you don't get food. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what are you going to do, guy? Um, you're already dead. Um, so, you know, that's not great. I don't like that. I didn't want to be in that sort of spot. So I would say for this game, for me, this is probably one of the more polarizing games for me that I've played on the show. Um, just because there are things I really loved and things I really didn't. Uh, other kind of thoughts I have off of this, um, maybe my expectations were too high. This was a game that I actually, I don't even know if I waited for it to go on sale or maybe only like five bucks on sale, which if, as you see my post, I buy, ga I buy some games on sale all the time. This one I got early because earlier than maybe I would, because I was like, oh, it's Animal Crossing and it's emotional. This is totally a Dan game. Um, and I think maybe my expectations were too high in that I did try to buy it or did try to play it initially when I bought it. And that was probably in those first like two or three hours where I got lost and I fell off it. And then I came back this year um, over the summer and fall and picked it back up and then got through it and played it a lot on lunch breaks and things like that. And, you know, learned how the game worked and all the and obviously played it all and stuff like that. But um, so I don't know if my expectations were too high. That might've, that might've been an issue is maybe I just expected this is a game I will love. And then when there were things I didn't like, um, maybe having resistance in those, but maybe also being, those resistance is feeling bigger because I had higher hopes or like thought I would absolutely love it. Um, the other thing this has brought to me is it makes me wonder if maybe I don't like uh, like management sim style games. I'm, I'm not sure because before this, I thought that was definitely a thing I like. Um, I really like, uh, pro football GM, which if you listen to me talk about that, I'm a giant nerd for, you know, being a football general manager. Um, if you listen to my episode on game dev story, again, it's a sim game, uh, building a video game company. I enjoyed that quite a lot. Uh, I like Animal Crossing. So those made me think I like Sim games. But this one really made me feel otherwise. So I'm not really sure anymore. I have been thinking about playing Stardew Valley for a little while. And Spirit Fair makes me a little worried that maybe I wouldn't like it. So I think I'm going to kick the Spirit or the Stardew Valley can down the road a little farther. Um, because I've got some concerns now. I really thought that, you know, because I like those previous games I mentioned, that Spirit Fair would be a Dan game, and then Stardew Valley would also be a Dan game. Now I don't feel so sure and um, feel a little confused on that. I guess if you are someone who's played Stardew Valley, 
and you're hearing what I'm saying about Spirit Fair, I'd love your advice. <laughs> if uh, you think that my hang-ups regarding Spirit Fair wouldn't exist in Stardew, then maybe that gives me confidence that I could play that and enjoy that more. Um, or if my things that I had hang-ups in Spirit Fair would carry over in Stardew, I guess that would be good to know so that I don't... Um, maybe that I'm even expecting it. Maybe that would change that. I don't know. Uh, so I do feel a little uncertain on the end of this. I don't know what this means for me regarding uh, sim management style games. Oh, yes, Your Grace. Again, a sim style game. There were some things I really enjoyed about that too. So I, I don't know. I feel lost about this <laughs> uh, and confused. Uh, final piece of feedback uh, we got. Spiritfarer 1983 said, I love Spiritfarer. It's such a beautiful and emotional game. Got me blubbing every time I had to say goodbye. And it was also really fun. Uh, that's great. I, I absolutely love to hear that. Um, I, yeah, I think this game is really beautiful. I didn't talk a lot about the art, art in the game. The art's great. Music's great. How it looks. Um, I, I think that there's some of the cozy relaxingness. Like, I think playing it as a lunch break game was really, really nice um, for that. I think it was good in that way, too. Um, so there are a lot of things that it does meet. I agree. Um, and really great for them of how much they love this. Um, yeah, I guess that is all the thoughts on Spirit Fair. If you have, uh, yeah, anything you'd like to say, hit me up. Uh, I'm on Twitter at StoryEverPod. Our website's thegreateststoryeverplayed.com. That has a backlog of all of our episodes, including, uh, Animal Crossing, that football GM game, Yes Your Grace, Game Dev Story. If you want to hear me talk about sim games, <laughs> they are there, among a bunch of other games that are probably more my typical, like, narrative, emotional kind of game. That's probably more common. That's on there. But go check that stuff out if uh, you'd want to hear more episodes. Uh, you can find us uh, also wherever you get podcasts, so Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. Um, we're on all of those. Um, if you'd like to support the podcast financially... You could do that at the greatest at um, patreon.com slash the greatest story ever played there for as little as a dollar per month. That will get you access um, to monthly bonus episodes. We do. I think we're nearly at 40 now. I think there's like maybe 38 or 39 out there right now. So there's a ton more podcast episodes if you want to hear them. These episodes are topical in nature. So they're a little different than our standard, you know, one game kind of recap discussion thoughts. Instead, they're uh, more things like, what are your favorite Pokemon? Or what were our favorite games when we were kids? Or uh, I rewatched re all of the Star Wars movies and then ranked them recently. So that, that's kind of the stuff that's on there. Uh, if you'd like to support the podcast but can't financially, that's cool too. One way you could do that is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Spotify, anything like that. What this can do is really just uh, get the show in front of more eyes, in front of more ears. I think a really cool part about this podcast and enjoying games together is enjoying games with together with other people, having people write in and share their thoughts, um, especially when they're thoughts that aren't the same as mine. I think it's really helpful to get perspectives from a lot of people. I'm, you know, we're just one. I'm just one person, or when Jordan's here. It was just two of us. It's not It's not like we have all the thoughts in video games. A lot of other people do too. Sometimes those thoughts are on point with what we think, and sometimes there's things that 
were appreciated that maybe we missed or things we appreciated that other people didn't like. And it's good to hear all of that um, and just bring those perspectives together. So, um, yeah, you helping make more people part of that is awesome and much appreciated. And, um, yeah, that's the episode, and we'll uh, see you next time.